I hate to break up this greeting time, but we need to get started. Welcome everybody this morning. Oh. Good morning on this uh, lovely, cloudy, steamy morning. And uh, glad y'all all got out this morning and could be here. Um, thankful for the rain, for those that got it, for those that didn't, yours is coming. So <laughs> you can be anticipating. Patience, yes. Uh, it's going to make a little announcement for Kathy and the group that uh, handled the uh, rummage sale. Uh, they have a little update on the price. They've uh, got a total now of $3,626.27. Hallelujah. All right. And not only that, but uh, just to expand on it a little bit, they were also able to support some other groups downstream. So for what was left and not uh, rummaged through as much, uh, they made donations to Grace Place, Transformations, Rays of Hope, and the florist in Farmerville that uh, helps with Mother's Day flowers, the uh, Generations Florist. So there were a lot of other benefits besides just the, the youth and the, and the church and uh, the giving. So we appreciate all the hard work that went into it and for all of the downstream benefits that uh, accrue to that. Uh, for our visitors this morning, glad to have you with us and hope you have a good service with us, a uh, good worship time. As far as giving, we still have our drop box in the back or you can go to uh, uh, our Connect site. And uh, want to remind everybody this morning uh, to remember camp meeting this week. Uh, first of all, to be in prayer for uh, the activities, the camp meeting, uh, everybody that's got to be prepared and ready and there, and uh, for the openness of the folks that are going and uh, listening and participating, teaching, leading. And that is Wednesday through Thursday, uh, Wednesday through Saturday this week. Uh, so we will have no Wednesday night service here. Hopefully folks will turn out for camp meeting. Uh, but everybody will be back for next Sunday to hear uh, Carvin speak again. I have a little uh, psalm. Uh, to share from the message, uh, Psalm 121. It's one I came up with uh, recently. I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from the mountains? No, my strength comes from God, who made heaven and earth and the mountains. He won't let you stumble. Your guardian God won't fall asleep, not on your life. Our guardian will never doze or sleep. God is your guardian, right at your side to protect you, shielding you from sunstroke 
and from Moonstroke. God guards you from every evil. He guards your very life. He guards you when you leave and when you return. He guards you now and he guards you always. Amen. Also, uh, this morning, uh, thinking about freedom uh, today, uh, I went to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. It's just one verse. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Let's, uh, let's have our invocation prayer. Father, we thank you this morning that uh, we have much to be thankful for uh, in you, in your blessings, in your promises, in your presence. And we thank you that uh, you extend to us grace and uh, all of the blessings that come from uh, the indwelling of the Spirit. And we pray that you will continue to draw us close and fill us with what we need for each day. Help us to appreciate the freedoms that we enjoy in this life and in you and in the church, in the kingdom. And we pray that you, we will be uh, good stewards of the freedom that we have uh, with those who don't have it yet. And we pray that we will be instruments not only of your peace, but of your freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Now our anniversaries. <laughs> and let's clap. We'll clap at the end for everybody. How about that? Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary, God bless you. Happy anniversary to you. Now, hand for everybody. You may be seated. Thank you. Our first song this morning, our gentlemen here are going to bless us with God Bless the USA, and you're welcome to join in on the chorus. Tomorrow all the things are gone I'd worked for all my life And I had to start again With just my children and my wife I thank the Lord above To be living here today Cause the flag still stands for freedom And they can't take that Still today, cause there ain't no 
From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee, across the plains of Texas, from sea to shining sea, from Detroit down to Houston and New York to L.A. Well, there's pride in every American heart, and it's time to stand and say, and I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free, and I won't forget the men who died and gave that right to me, and I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. singing a child of God if you're able to stand if you aren't feel free to sit down can sing this song, Love Lifted Me.
I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, singing to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, from the waters lifted me, now safe children, you may go to your class. Our speaker this morning, uh, returning for another appearance, is uh, Carvin Adams. I'm glad to have Brother Carvin with us and uh, sharing with us from the Word, and uh, particularly like the uh, sermon topic this morning, 
and look forward to that. I'm glad to have uh, the faithfulness of those who've helped us over these last two years and uh, continue to help and support. And uh, in the prayer this morning, I particularly want to uh, ask God's continued leading and directing for a pastor to come. And uh, I know you all will too. Continue to pray for camp meeting, for the services, for the, the speakers, the leaders, uh, for a good attendance this year, for a good offering to support the state. Uh, also want to remember particularly our missionaries. I know the, we listed the, uh, and we had a, a text for Paul and Katja Jones in Bolivia for their travels, but uh, all those around the world. Uh, we've had some emails from uh, Ron and Jean uh, in the last week about some changes for them and they continue to be in a, a volatile part of the world uh, where many of the missionaries serve. And not just our Church of God missionaries, but there are many, uh, I would say probably thousands around the world that are serving and reaching out and uh, trying to reach the lost. And we want to remember their work. At the same time, we have uh, a lot of issues in this land with uh, evil that uh, surrounds us and continues to intrude on uh, this church uh, and the church in general. Uh, just uh, so many changes that we need to remain steadfast in our faith and uh, and say no to Satan. But we do want to remember our, not only this country, but our leaders this morning. Uh, so many challenges, uh, so many differences of opinion. Uh, we need to all pull together as one. And unity is our message also. Thankful for our blessings this morning. And... Uh, what we have to be thankful for, not only in this country, but uh, in the church and in, uh, in what's been provided and shared with us freely and uh, God's grace and peace and the blessings that he shares with us and the freedoms that we have to, uh, to be here today and to uh, be with uh, our friends and loved ones. We had a note that they're going to be returning soon. Glad. No? That's what the note says. <laughs> they left Wednesday, but uh, continue to remember the youth and their uh, they're hearing the message. Uh, we're, we're a small group here. But when you go to youth convention, you're a part of something much bigger and grander, and you get exposed to the enthusiasm and the, the youthfulness that, that's there. And uh, it's just, uh, I, we pray that it's good.
for their spirits and for their uh, lives. Let's pray. Father, we, we come to you this morning uh, humbly in, uh, inside of all that you've provided and the, the blessings that you've laid before us, the, uh, the freedom that we have in, in uh, walking with you and believing. We thank you for reaching out to us first and drawing us close. And we pray that we will continue to draw closer to you in our walk and that uh, we will learn and continue to grow. But not only us, but we pray that you will help us to reach out to those around us who need to also uh, feel your love share in your grace and uh, live with the peace that you offer. Pray that you will help us to be instruments of that sharing and that light that needs to come into the world. We're continually reminded that this world is, is not our home, uh, but we know that you care for us while we're here and you care for all those that are around us and who uh, may someday come to appreciate you and love you as well. We remember this morning, Father, the, uh, those in uh, places like Ukraine and in uh, the Far East, Africa, there are many places that have unrest and, and no freedom little freedom, which we pray that uh, you will help us to uh, be faithful in prayer and give where we can for the needs around us, around in the world. Help us to uh, remember um, to share and pray. Father, help us to be thankful for the freedoms that we have in this land and in this world and in the church, and pray that we don't take those for granted, but continue to uh, use that freedom to make a difference and to draw close to you and to draw others with us. All these things we ask in your name. Amen. It is so good to see all of you this morning. Some of you remembered what this weekend is by wearing your red, white, and blue. Even with all the problems we have in our country, we indeed are blessed, and it is still a great privilege to live here. Every time I return from a trip, and I've made about 80 now outside the country, I am so grateful when our plane sets down at Houston or Dallas, Atlanta, wherever, it's just something about being back home. Uh, I'm grateful for those who have died, given us freedom. Our freedom cost them a lot, and it still costs us today. So I proudly celebrate what this weekend represents. 
If you'll please get your Bibles and turn with me to Luke, the 15th chapter. Luke, the 15th chapter, we'll be looking in detail at verses 11 through 24, but I do want to give you an introduction, which will take about 30 or about 15 minutes. So if you don't see anything on the screen, it's not uh, Brooke's fault. Uh, I was still working on this sermon as of late yesterday afternoon, even though I'd sent the outline to Brooke and to Priscilla, and I added some stuff I felt like needed to be added. So you will not have the advantage of seeing it in front of you. I would encourage you to keep your Bibles open, though, so that you can follow along. Luke, the 15th chapter, beginning with verse... Uh, let's look at verse 1 and 2 as an introduction as to why Jesus shared these three parables with us today. Luke 15, 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law murdered. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Uh, to the Pharisees, tax collectors and sinners represented the worst class of people in the Jewish society. Tax collectors were Jews who collected taxes from the Jewish people and then gave it to their uh, enemies, the Romans, and therefore, kind of like our, our, our IRS today. Uh, I've not heard a single person say they like the IRS. I hate to get any information from them, even though I pay my taxes and have done so ever since I started working at the age of uh, 15. No one likes the IRS. And that was the situation of the people in Jesus' day. They looked at the tax collectors as dealing with Gentiles, the Romans, which they, they did. And therefore, they were religiously unclean. And they also were regarded as dishonest, for most of them would keep some of the proceeds. And they were considered disloyal because of associating with the Romans, which was the enemy. And then Luke writes about the sinners. The Pharisee used this as a general term to refer to all Jews who had no regard for the religious ceremonies. They, yes, of course, they were Jews. They may occasionally go to the synagogue, but if they found something better to do, go to a ball game or go uh, watch something on their television, they, they stayed home and did so. So they were not considered very loyal. So the Pharisees did not understand, according to verse 2, why Jesus even would associate with uh, such people. There were many who believed he was a prophet. Some even believed he was the Messiah. But they thought, if Jesus is indeed a prophet, why would he have anything to do with such ungodly people as tax collectors and sinners? And not only did he associate with them, on occasions we read that he even went into their homes and ate with them. And the Pharisees just could not understand why he would do so. And it is for those reasons that Jesus gives us three parables in Luke, the 15th chapter. The first parable, we call it the parable of the lost sheep in verses 4 through 7. A certain shepherd had a hundred sheep. One was lost. 
So he left all the 99 who were safely in the barn or in the fold and went in search of that one lost sheep. And then he told the parable of the lost coin, a woman who had 10 coins and she lost one. So she just turned her whole house upside down looking for that one lost coin. And then the parable we'll consider today is really more emotional. It doesn't involve a pet or an animal that you've lost. It doesn't involve a, some money that you've lost. It involves a person, a person with a soul, a person created originally in the image of God for this young son left his father's home. The main part of these parables usually is preachers preach it. It's always on the lost. The lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. And those, in, those are definitely important parts of this parable. But I'm not going to focus on that this morning. I'm going to focus on the one who looks for the lost sheep or the lost coin or the lost uh, son. I want us to consider how he or she was faithful to look for that which was lost until it was found. And in these three parables, you know as well as I do that the shepherd, the woman, and the father all represent our heavenly father in heaven. And the lost represent those who are without Jesus Christ and are astray or have separated themselves from God. So let's pick up this parable in verses 11 and 12. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. It may not sound like much to consider for a boy or child to ask for their inheritance at this time. But in that culture, it was. In fact, no doubt it broke the father's heart. He wasn't asking just for money to buy something. He wasn't saying, Dad, I need to buy a new Campbell to take my girlfriend out for a ride. That wasn't the question. He wasn't asking for a loan to buy a piece of property next to his dad's property so he could start his own life there near home. No. He was saying, in essence, I don't want to wait till you die to get my share. I want it now. And as I study this, some Mideastern culture experts tell us that the boy wasn't really asking for money per se. He was saying, Father, I wish you were dead right now. I don't know of anything that would break a parent's heart more than that. A very close friend of mine, son, said that to his father. I wish you and mom would die so I get the inheritance. They were worth millions of dollars. And for a period of time, they did not speak. And he would say, Carvin, can you imagine your son Mark saying that? I said, no, I really can't. But he was broken because his son had that attitude. See, in that culture, a father could bring up the issue of inheritance. He could say to those two sons, you can have this part of the property. You can have this part. You can take half the cattle. You can take the other half. But the son was never, never to initiate the discussion about inheritance. Look at verse 13. 
Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Evidently, this boy had sold his part of the estate, the land, the cattle, whatever, put it all in his pocket, left home with no intentions of ever returning. He went to a distant country, which we know would have been a Gentile country. He went there to live. He went there to have uh, what he would consider the good time in life. He didn't, have, didn't want to have to worry about what his father was thinking. Didn't want his father to even know what was going through his, his mind or his, his actions. He lived as if there was no tomorrow, no, no consequences to think about for his actions. He was enjoying what many would call today the good life. Plenty of wine, women, and song. But the pleasures of this world are always limited. They're always costly. Someone has said this, and I quote, The devil is not such a fool as to go fishing without bait. The pleasures of sin are the devil's bait. But remember, the devil's bait always has a hook in it. End of quote. The choices that this young man was making, of course, had its consequences. Look at verses 14 through 16. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. I can only imagine that those Jews who were standing around and listened to Jesus tell this parable, they were thinking nothing could be worse than feeding pigs and wanting to eat what they are eating. For since the days of Moses, if we went, went back to the Old Testament, especially the book of Leviticus, he had taught them from God that pigs were unclean. They were not to eat it. They much less would not desire to eat anything that they were eating. In all respect, this man, this young man, this young son had reached the very bottom of the pit. If God had stopped with that parable right now, I can only imagine what those Pharisees were thinking. Well, the boy's getting exactly what he deserved. Haven't we sometimes said that? You live a certain life, you're going to reap what uh, you sow. The Pharisees would have been content to leave this boy in a foreign country, living with the pigs, covered with the stench of their smell. After all, he had disgraced his father. No one should have asked for their inheritance. No one should have rebelled and left the father. He didn't even leave a forwarding address as far as Jesus was concerned. How could he be reached if his brother died or the father got sick and was on his deathbed? In essence, I don't think he really cared. Notice the consequences as he was reaping what he sowed. These are not in your outline. I did not come up with these until yesterday afternoon. But first, there was separation from the Father, which represents God. 
verse 13 says, he set out. Removed himself from his father's presence. And scripture tells us that those who are still living in sin are separated from God. Not that the, he doesn't love them, but they have not been willing to receive that love. And scripture tells us that when Christ comes back again, there will be a great separation. Those who are living for Jesus Christ will inherit heaven. And then he says there will be a separation forever and ever between God and those who have never accepted Jesus' mercy and grace. So he was living separated from his father because of his sins. Secondly, he was living without any regard of tomorrow. Verse 13 says, while living. He wasn't thinking about the consequences of what was going on. One of my best friends in high school went the wrong direction. In fact, he was in my wedding. Got drunk one night with four others, drove the car and flipped it several times, killing three of them. He never considered the consequences of his sin. And today he still pays for that. Notice the third consequence, emptiness, void of any satisfaction. Verse 14 says he was in need. I believe God has created every person with an emptiness, a void that can only be filled with God. Or we can try to fill it with our, our money as this young man did. We can try to fill it by our desire to live the way we want to live without any regards of God's plan for our life. But only Jesus Christ can fill that emptiness, that void in our hearts. And then he comes down to the last consequence, which was actually bondage in verse 15. He hired himself out. He became a servant or a slave. It was R. Zacharias who made this quote. In fact, I believe the song has been written to go along with it. He says, Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay, end of quote. But I'm so grateful that our Heavenly Father, regardless of what we may do, regardless of our uh, background, regardless of who we are, He is never, never content to keep us in the filth of sin. And I want us to quickly look at the cure and then this celebration. The cure for sin is found especially in verses 17 through 19, and I'll get to it in a moment. Keep in mind, this son left home to find freedom. Did he find it? No, actually, he became a servant or a slave. Worse off than any of the men that worked for his dad back on the farm. This son had left home with a lot of money in his pockets, ready to enjoy whatever his money could buy, and no doubt he enjoyed himself for a period of time. But when the money was gone, when he was bankrupt, he was literally starving to death. But I'm thankful for verse 17 that says, He came to his senses. He came to his senses. And as a result of coming to his senses, evaluating the life he was living and evaluating also, no doubt, his father back home, he did four things. 
A, he acknowledged his need of his father. Verse 17 says, How many of my hard, father's hard men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. He remembered where he came from. He remembered that from which he separated himself. He then began to realize, my dad is a little smarter than I thought he was. How many of you remember when you were in your teens and you don't need to raise your hand and you thought your parents didn't have a clue what was going on? Amazing how they get smarter as we get older. It, it happens. I guess that is natural for youth to want to rebel against something. And oftentimes it's against the wrong things. But he acknowledged his need of going back home to his father. B, it says he left his sin behind and returned to his father. Verse 18, I will set out and go back to my father. You see, that's what it takes. It is that what we call repentance, that turning around. We're going one direction away from the father. and We decide, well, I'll turn around and go back to him. There cannot be any forgiveness until that point is made in each one of our lives. So he set back out to go to his father. See, he confessed his sins to his father. Verse 18, I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Keep in mind all sin is against God. Sin is breaking the known will of God, disobedience to the known will of God. So he acknowledges, I've sinned against God, but also oftentimes sin is against someone else. In this case, it was the father, and also really the older brother. Sin usually affects those we're closest to more than anyone else. And then D... He realized that the only forgiveness his father may show him would be an act of mercy and grace. Verse 19. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Beautiful statement. True it is, but is that where the story ends? No. So regardless of the sins a person may have in their lives or regardless of the rebellion they may have carried out and regardless of the time they did that, there's only one cure. Only one cure. We have to do just what this young man in the parable did. He acknowledged his need of his father. He acknowledged he had sinned against him and against God, and he comes back and confesses his sin to his father and asks for forgiveness. To me, the best part of this story is verses 20 through 24, and I call it the celebration of salvation. Look at these verses with me, verse 20 through 24. After, of course, he comes to his senses, verse 20 says, So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to his father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. 
Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. You see, this father was waiting, patiently waiting for his son to return. The father does something that is really almost unimaginable. He forgave the son completely. Completely. We know that because in verse 20, it says that while he was still away off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Not only was this father willing to forgive his son that was returning to him. Scripture indicates that he was looking for him. Try to imagine. I believe this father probably sat on his front porch every afternoon after he finished his chores around the farm, sitting in his rocker, looking down that road that his son took to leave home, hoping he would see his son coming back Hoping, perhaps quite often he'd see somebody coming and he would look to try to figure out who it is. Is it my son? Is it a man or a woman? Maybe he'd rub his eyes to clear his vision. The scripture says that while he, being the son, was a long way off, his father saw him. And when he sees this figure coming to him, this, and he realizes it's a man, He's dressed like a man. He, he walks like a man. And when he finally dawns on him that this is my son, my son who rebelled against me, my son who left, who disgraced me, says he was filled with compassion, not anger, not judgmental, not wanting to punish his son, and before his son says a word, he ran to him, which in that culture, older men did not run to someone younger. Even though the son had been in a pig pen, feeding pigs, possibly eating what the pigs ate, even though he had on those stinking rags of clothes that were probably worn out and smelled to high heaven, even though he was covered with that filth, did his father rebuke him? No. Did he say, You're, you got just what you deserve? I told you this would happen. You should have never done that. I'm going to put you on a period of probation. No, he didn't do any of that. Scripture says, he threw his arms around him. Filthy as he was and kissed him on that dirty face. And in essence, when he embraced his son, he became ceremonially unclean. In essence, he was taking his son's sins upon himself, just as Jesus did when he died for us on the cross. You may be asking, well, how do you know he forgave him completely? Notice in verse 22. They celebrated the son's rebirth. 
The father said, bring the best robe and put it on him. The best robe would have been the main garment a person would wear when they celebrated their birthdays. So in this father's mind, he was saying, my son was dead. For those long period of time, he was separated from me. I didn't know what he was going through. I didn't know if he was hurting. But now he's been reborn. Jesus says, unless we are born again, we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So this son who was dead is now born again. He was lost, but now he's found because he's come back home. And B, they celebrated the son's restoration into the family. The, the father said, put a ring on his finger. This would not have been just an ordinary ring. It would not even indicate that it was a ring that was very expensive, made out of gold. But it was a ring that had the family emblem or seal on it. A seal that everybody in the community would recognize what family he belongs to. So the father was saying, even though you got rid and lost all your inheritance, even though you disgraced the family by leaving, I reinstate you. It's like I adopt you again. He was a nobody living in a country with no name, but now he wears the ring of his family. And although he has spent all of his inheritance, you know why the older boy was jealous and mad? Because when this son returned, he now was an heir to everything the father and the older brother had. The older brother was going to lose part of his inheritance. So this son has been reinstated into the family. And there's the last thing they celebrated, item C. They celebrated the boy's redemption from the bondage of sin. Scripture says they put shoes on his feet. And the only people in Jesus' day who went barefoot were servants and slaves. So now he's been redeemed from the bondage of sin. Look at verses 23 and 24 again. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead in his life again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. I may have shared this illustration with you before. And it's not an illustration. It's actually a true story. It's, it's about a young woman, a girl in her teens who runs away from home. And there are so many who do that. And almost always they end up getting in some kind of trouble. But this girl left home. She went to the nearest big city from her home. And for a while she'd write back a few letters to her mom and say, you know, I'm, I'm still here, still enjoying the good life. But after a period of time, she quit writing. The mother received no more letters. So, of course, the mother was expecting the worst. So she gets on a train and goes to the city. She goes into what we would call the worst part of town, the bars, the saloons, the houses of ear repute, places like that. And she goes to a, a rescue mission, and she t talks to a man. She says, I believe my daughter comes down here. If she's still alive, will you help me find her? And the man said, of course, that's, that's something I think we can do. 
He said, go have your picture taken by a photographer, have uh, about a hundred copies made, have them blown up, you know, poster size and bring them back to me. And she did that. And when she returned to the mission, he said, now sit down at that table over there and write on the bottom of your picture two words, come home, come home. So this uh, preacher in the rescue mission, this worker, says, with your permission, I'll take all these pictures and put them in the worst places of town, of the city. And he did. Several, several weeks later, this lost girl, this runaway daughter, had entered one of those places with some of her friends, ready to have a party that night, and she looked on the wall as she walked in and saw a picture that looked somewhat familiar. And she walked closer to that picture realized it was her mom. She was so, so ashamed that her mom's picture would be in such a place. And then as she looked er, uh, closer, saw the two words, come home, it, it broke the young girl's heart. And she got on the first train and returned back to her home. Some 2,000 years ago, God sent a picture to a distant land. We call it earth. That picture was Jesus Christ, his son. For Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus basically had a message that could be condensed down to two words. Come home. Come home. For all had sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All at some time and to some degree have rebelled against God. And Jesus just saying, come home. We want you back in the family. Even though you have rebelled, even though you're wearing those filthy rags of sin, I'll forgive you. He won't wait until we get our lives cleaned up. That's something we cannot do. He won't wait until we've paid the price for all of our sins. We can't. Jesus has already paid it. Paid in full. Your debt has been canceled. And not only will he forgive us, he'll put that robe of his righteousness over our filthy rags, put a ring on our finger, shoes on our feet, which would be the Holy Spirit in our hearts, to indicate this person belongs to God. Not because he deserves it. Not because he worked for it. Not because he's worthy. But all because of his mercy and his grace. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and be in an attitude of prayer as we get ready to sing a song of an invitation, a song that all of you will recognize. I'm here to tell you that God wants you to be a part of his family. He's done everything needed. The rest is up to us. Perhaps everyone here is already a child of God. You already, to some degree, are following Jesus. But it may be possible that you've drifted away a little bit. It may be possible that you have separated yourself to some degree from God.
You may be rebelling, running, desiring to live your own life the way that you think is best rather than trust God's plan for your life. It's time to come back home. It's time to receive his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, and know beyond any doubt you are a child of God and will one day spend eternity with Jesus Christ. So as we stand to sing a few verses of an invitation, if God is speaking to your heart, I invite you to come. If you'd like to pray by yourself, you can come to these front pews up here. I won't bother you. But if you'd like for me to pray with you, I'm going to ask that you come to the altars here in front. Regardless of your need, it's so important we draw closer and closer to God. Won't you stand with us as we sing?
Thank you, Brother Carvin, for the message and good words about a loving father. Pray that each one will take his words to heart. Um, those that need to come to their senses, come home. And for those who need to reach out in love and compassion, let's do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for The, um, the many words and messages and parables that you've uh, seen to it to, to save and, and uh, pass down from generation to generation. Most of all, we thank you for the message of your son. You showed us uh, just uh, in his image what you were like and uh, the message of your forgiveness and compassion, your love, your willingness to forgive, and, and no one is unforgivable, but all can come and start a new life with you. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.